Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Kia ora everyone, I'm Chriselle and it's so good to be able to speak to you today. We live in an age where information is incredibly accessible. Need to learn to change a tyre? Search it up on YouTube. Want to know what the capital of Madagascar is? Give it a Google. Trying to find where that scripture about the renewal of our minds is? Search an online Bible. We've become so used to searching for knowledge and looking for that next inspiration or self-help book that we accumulate all this information and struggle to actually put it into practice. We have the knowledge, but sometimes we lack the drive or tools to fulfill the action in order to change for the better. In our human nature, there's an inherent and deep desire to change, to grow, and to develop. But there's a gap between who we actually are and who we're created to be. We can feel stuck in emotional pain, addiction, or patterns that are unhealthy or even escapist. Deep down, we know we're broken and we need to change. It's not that we don't want to change, it's that we don't know how. Over the course of this series so far, we have explored what it is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. In order to do those things, we need transformation. We need the renewal of our minds. We need reimagining. We need reset. And it takes more than a quick Google or YouTube tutorial. As we take a step into the next block of this series, we'll be looking in depth into how we change and continue to form to what we are becoming as apprentices of Jesus. A few weeks ago, Ethan talked about unintentional formation. He said the question is not whether we are being formed, but rather who or what we're being formed by and into. Are we paying attention to what is forming us? We need to learn to turn our unintentional formation into intentional formation. In order to do that, we need to replace the stories we believe with teaching and the habits we buy into with practice. In Mark 1.15, just before Jesus calls the disciples, he starts his ministry and says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is an invitation to a new reality. The beautiful thing about what Jesus is saying is that it's open and accessible to anyone. But if we take a deeper look into this invitation, it speaks far more into our discipleship than we actually realize on first glance. The time has come. In our own understanding, we might think here in chronological time, derived from the Greek word chronos. But Jesus is actually using the word kairos, Rather than speaking about a timeline or sequence of events, Kairos indicates a significant event has or will take place. This event has impact and it is an event that changes things. The time has come. The crucial point is here. The reset is upon us. I wonder if you can remember a Kairos moment in your own life, a significant event that changed the trajectory of your future. 
One Kairos moment for me was when I came to faith. I remember being at a Windsor summer camp in my year nine, looking up at the cross in the chapel of Chosen Valley Christian Camp. I can still picture the whole thing, how I felt, what I thought, what I saw, and that moment changed my thinking. It transformed me and pushed me in the direction of my future. The thing about Kairos moments is that they cause us to want to change and start us on a journey in another direction. They don't sit stagnant, but they result in action and cause us to stop in our journey and ask, what is Jesus saying to me and how is he leading me in a new way? When Jesus says the time has come, the Kairos moment is here. He follows it with repent and believe. Now imagine your life is the line and the Kairos moment is where the two lines intersect. Instead of moving straight forward, a Kairos moment causes us to circle around as we take time to observe and reflect on what God is saying and what we're going to do about it. We end up better for it. We change direction on the path where we're headed. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word repent, but I've always felt it has incredibly negative associations with it. It can fill us with guilt and shame. I mean, the English dictionary even defines it as a feeling of regret or remorse. Again, though, if we dig a little deeper, we find in Jesus' words an invitation to a transformed life. The Greek word used for repent is metanoite or metanoia, meaning a change of mind, a change of thought life, reorientation, transformation, reset. So in actuality, to repent isn't to sit in our shame and regret or be overcome by guilt. Instead, repentance gives us the opportunity to reset, transforming our thoughts as a result of a Kairos moment. To be led to repentance, we need to have had that Kairos moment, that realization, and that comes from teaching, gaining knowledge and wisdom. This is where we replace the stories we have come to believe with teaching as we reshape our thoughts. Teaching is aimed at our minds and imagination first and foremost. Teaching helps lead us to repentance. If you've been with us in this series so far, you, know, you will know we keep coming back to Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because the renewal of our minds is constant, we're always growing and developing with new thought patterns every single day. It's an ongoing process and we need to be aware of it. The English poet John Milton said, The mind has its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. How powerful is that? Paul also reminds us time and time again to realign our thoughts with Christ because he knows how powerful our thoughts are at controlling us. He says, have the mind of Christ. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Set your mind on the things of above not on earthly things. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Why is this so important? Because our thought life can be incredibly controlling and destructive. When we start on these patterns of thought in our minds, it can be so difficult to change them. Once we've started a thought pattern, we can actually get stuck in the thinking because of the way our brains are wired. We actually create neurological mapping. 
For example, if I'm not having a good day, I might treat myself with a chocolate at the end of the day. Eventually, every time I have a bad day, my brain says to make myself feel better, I need chocolate. And then every bad day ends in chocolate. Eventually, every day ends in chocolate because I created a thought pattern that said I needed to treat myself at the end of the day. Now, I'm not saying you need to get rid of chocolate. That one's between you and God. But our thoughts have a powerful hand over our actions. It is no secret that we have destructive ideas and thoughts roaming around our minds. The process of teaching helps us to combat those in order to have like-mindedness with Christ. Dallas Willard says it like this, The process of spiritual formation in Christ is one of progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with the images and ideas that are filled in the mind of Jesus himself. Spiritual formation in Christ moves towards a total interchange of our ideas and images for his. In order to get intentional formation and replace those destructive images and thoughts with those of Jesus, we need to immerse ourselves in teaching. That looks like reading the Bible, listening to preachers and podcasts, reading books about Jesus, having a mentor, going to home group. All of these things help to shape our mind and rewrite the stories we believe with the truth. In this teaching, we ask God, what are you saying to me? And our response is to let that teaching transform our minds. Once we have that knowledge and teaching, though, it is so difficult to unlearn something once we already know it. When I had a knee injury a couple of years ago, after my surgery, my physio was always telling me in order to get back to sport, I would have to do things differently from here on out. Unintentionally and by habit, I've always overflexed my legs. And now because my knee isn't as strong as before, I need to make sure I'm bending my knees and using the muscles around it to strengthen my knee. Unlearning how I use my knees is confusing and it feels super weird but it is ultimately better for me if I action it. The thing is, now that I have been taught what is right, I have the conviction to change my ways, but it's up to me to action that. Getting teaching into our minds is the first step to transformation, but it isn't the last. Many of us will stop there and are stunted in our growth, and we can't understand why. It's because we can't think our way into Christ-likeness. We need action. The gap between knowing and doing is far more important than the gap between ignorance and knowing because that is ultimately what leads to change. The way of Jesus is a way of life. We have to live it. In the final message of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus leaves the crowds with a haunting image, one we might look over as followers of Christ and think it might not apply to us. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put it into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. 
Jesus here is referring to those who have heard his teaching and the difference between those who do not put it into action and those who do. Where do you see yourself? As someone who actions out the teachings of Jesus or as someone who hears without practice? Jesus is adamant that those who do not put it into practice will lack the foundation to survive the hurdles of life. And we also read in James, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So if we know we should and we have the knowledge and teaching, why don't we do it? Well, it's the same reason I stay up too late watching Netflix. I know watching the next episode of my favorite show is going to throw off my sleep pattern and make me tired the next day. Do I do it anyway? Yeah. (laughs) Why? Because I love it. Not only do I love it, I love it more than not being tired the next day. In Romans 7, 15 to 20, Paul talks about these desires. He expresses a wrestle of wanting to do good, but the tension of living in this human nature. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. As much as we have this desire to change and the teaching to tell us what is right and wrong, we are still drawn to the things we love and find it difficult to triumph over the habitual thinking we have created. What we love in our hearts has a far greater influence than what we do and what we know in our head. Our habits go through our hearts in the direction of what we love and they end up driving us. James K. Smith says, we are what we want. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. Our wants reverberate from our heart, the epicenter of our human nature. Thus, scripture counsels above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Discipleship, we might say, is a way to curate your heart to be attentive to and intentional about what you love. The question is, with the teaching you have and with what you know of who Jesus is, what will you do about it? In the first couple of weeks of being back at Windsor after spending some time on placement over summer, I realized there was a habit that I picked up and that was starting to control and bring up unnecessary hatred in my life. It was gossip. Not only hearing it, but taking it on and partaking in it. And honestly, the more I talk about the struggle that I have with gossip and the need to change in this area, the more I hear people say, oh, it's not that bad. Why? Because we love being in the know. And unfortunately, frustration bonds people. But I had a Kairos moment in that space and I wanted to love Jesus more than I loved knowing the things that were going on. So I did something about it. And I'll admit, I'm still on a journey. So feel free to keep me accountable. The thing is, change happens when change happens. It's our personal responsibility to choose to grow and change. So our response, if we truly believe what we're taught, is to do something about it. 
So this week, I encourage you to pay attention to the habits that make up your life. Think about them, maybe even write them down or ask people closest to you what your habits are. Take time to pray. Let God in and find the connection between your habits and your heart. What is going on in your heart? Do you need to cut the habit? Put your teaching into practice by taking a habit you have and replacing it with a spiritual practice. Today, we're going to partake in communion. And Jesus sat with his friends as he broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. What is Jesus saying to you today as you remember his body and blood? Is this a Kairos moment for you? What are you letting shape your thoughts? What direction is your heart pointed in? As we partake in communion, we're going to listen to Come Thou Fount. Let this be our prayer. Come Thou Fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. God, we know we're prone to wonder. We know our hearts can be in a different direction sometimes of what you're calling us to. And we pray that you would tune our hearts to sing your grace, God. Change a direction in our lives. Give us that Kairos moment that leads us to repent and believe, that leads us to reflect on what you're doing in our hearts, what you're doing in our minds, and what you're doing in our lives, God. And we give these things to you, God. We pray that we have open hands to be able to change and to be moved by what your Holy Spirit is doing right now. So God, we put our trust in you. We put our trust in your teaching, Jesus. And we ask that you would transform us by the renewal of our minds. Amen. I hope by thy good pleasure 
Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.